This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's podcast is the beginning of a two-part interview with Nicole Whitecotton and Nick Starkey as they discuss phase A of learning in the learning-centered school model. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today two teachers that have been on the podcast multiple times now. Um, we've got Nicole Whitecotton. She teaches our humanities side of eighth grade. And we've got Nick Starkey that teaches fifth grade and does all kinds of things in his class. I can't say I, we think about Nick Starkey many times with a, with a history slant, but you do teach all the subjects in fifth grade except for science, right? That is correct. So, um, And I know the kids have a blast uh, in your class. So. Uh, we wanted to get these two together, though. They just did a um, session with our professional development, with our teachers, concerning the Learning Center School model, Phase A of learning, which is kind of that first step of learning that happens in the classroom. And we wanted to spend a little bit of time on the podcast talking about what that looks like, what it is, and then what it looks like in our classrooms, both at the lower school level and at the upper school level. And so I think we'll just jump right in, and whichever one wants to kind of hit it uh, is fine. But let's start with that. What When we say the phase A of learning, what are we talking about? And then we'll get into kind of what that actually looks like in the classroom. Phase A, when you talk about a student's learning in the classroom, is all about creating images, identifying those patterns, the hook. Why am I learning this? What have I seen before? And where am I going to go with this? Why is this exciting? Why do I need to see this? Right. It's that pattern-seeking thing in our brain that is just absolutely critical in order to critic critical to critically think. Hmm. Uh, it's absolutely critical for a student to be able to identify with what's happening. They ha- It has to matter to them. Now, that doesn't mean it personally they have to care about it, but they have to be shown that it matters to them, so they need to see the pattern of it. So the spark and the hook is something that we hear about and say a lot in education, but the brain research behind that is that brains seek the pattern and if we just arbitrarily hand them a list of facts and say memorize it there is no pattern to that and they don't care so when we give them that spark and that hook and that exciting thing to link things to the facts matter a little bit more yeah like nicole is saying when we look at the brain research which is what cba is so important on it's really the front right side of your your frontal lobe and that's pretty cool for us we know where the senses come from we've talked about that before on this podcast yeah but as we start looking at where in the brain the students are we're in the front right side yeah and that's you know it's an awesome distinction to say that with the technology that's there you know you can actually see the brain light up um, when they're doing certain kinds of learning. And so this first step of learning, the pattern-seeking behavior of the brain is so important. And we, you know this. I mean, this is why when you go outside and you see a cloud, then you go, oh, look, that cloud looks like a dragon or that cloud looks like a dog. Well, it's, it's not the clouds trying to look like something. It's the pattern-seeking behavior of our Absolutely. brain. Our brains are constantly looking for that. Um, and I, so I grew up in the you know, hills of West Virginia and uh, did a lot of uh, – things that in you know outdoor and nature that sort of thing and, and it's it was always fun to see like the face in the rock cliff you know and, and of course then people create these big stories about you know that face in the rock cliff that actually was not true but it <laughs> you know you see that it's our brain just likes to 
to cue in on a pattern of we love faces. The human brain loves faces. Mm-hmm. And so we see faces in a lot of places that there are, there's not a face. Like there, there wasn't a face in the rock, right? It was just mm-hmm. there was enough features there. There was enough of a pattern that we were putting together to go, oh, no, there's eyes, there's a nose, you know, or there's a lip outline. And sometimes our brain fills in the rest of it even if it's not there, just because our brain loves that pattern-seeking behavior. And so when you can, can connect something new that we're getting ready to learn to a pattern that, that they already know, well, that's huge, right? right? Absolutely. Uh, sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes you're doing something completely brand new that in reality there is no pattern. Yeah. And so uh, when we're doing that, it's still phase A of learning. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you do? If you've got some big abstract, to- abstract topic or you know you're getting ready to talk about something that really this kid, this group of kids maybe has never been taught this concept that I'm getting ready to talk about, how do you do that then? We know the pattern. The brain wants to see a pattern. So what are some strategies that you might take to help start to create that pattern then as part of that phase A learning? In the elementary classroom, every classroom you'll see will have their their concept board, their year-long theme board in the back of the room. And this is kind of a living, breathing wall where the students are connecting to these places. So even if I'm studying World War II and I have a student who's not connected to that before, my quarterly concept is reaction. And for the students, all quarter long, we've talked about the reactions. What reaction do we have when someone doesn't use a life skill? What reaction do we have when the fractions don't match up? What are we doing? And so when we get to World War II, this is a big concept that takes us a long time to study. Students might not have a pattern in that before. They haven't had a family member serve or those kinds of stories like maybe some of us have. Instead, they're putting that place back in their brain. They're creating that concept because we've created that concept as a year-long theme already. In the elementary classroom, it works works really well. The year-long theme helps us to create a concept and that kind of location in the brain students are accessing, no matter what the lesson is. Absolutely. And that's something that we really talk about with the conceptual learning model of the learning center school model that we use, is this idea of we're going to create the pattern and then put stuff connect it to it mm-hmm. uh, as we go. And that that's a great point that you just made there. And Thank when you. everything in your day lines up together, the learning doesn't feel, now I take out my math folder, now I take right. out my writing folder. Every day is just, welcome to the discovery. We're going to do something fun in class. You know it's going to be about reaction. Let's see what that's going to be today. It, it promotes a sense of excitement and that pattern seeking in the brain. That's awesome. What does that look like in eighth grade? Well, uh, the same in that we use concepts whenever we talk about um, the experiences of the colonists, we focus on traditions. And so we let the, you know, in eighth grade, we let our imaginations kind of go into what, what are traditions and where do they come from and why do they matter? And then we talk about the founding fathers and, and why they did the things they did and their traditions and why those things mattered. And, and the kids start to see the patterns and experiences and perspective and bias and all of those things are standards in eighth grade. So it's very important. The conceptual learning here, whenever it is utilized, it is so powerful. It is yeah. so powerful, in fact, that it's like a precision scalpel. You don't even realize it's cutting you. You don't even realize how much you're learning until it's, you know, there. But we also use being there experiences and novels and things like that. Uh, We just recently talked about the Revolutionary Period and we read the book The Fifth of March, which was about the Boston Massacre. And there were aha moments because they were combining this 
fiction engaging story to um, their knowledge of the Broadway show Hamilton. They were <laughs> connecting it to their um, previous learning about the 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 time before that colonial life and things like that. They were connecting it to these aha moments of, um, oh wow, I didn't even think of what might have really been there to comparing Paul Revere's woodcut and what was in the newspapers to firsthand accounts of what actually happened that day. Yeah. All of that stuff is so much less painless because when you sit down and do it the way I did it in high school or middle school, and you learn that list of facts, those have <laughs> zero meaning to me. Right. That was a lot of worksheets that I remember. Mm -hmm. And instead, mm -hmm. when we're connecting it through a novel, being their experiences, those sorts of things, the learning turns into less. Uh, we're on 5-1. Tomorrow we're going to be on 5-2. Instead, I'm just in Miss White Cotton's room and oh my goodness, I've looked at the clock, class is over, well, I wasn't done learning yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's, it's an important uh, piece to remember that all learning is experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like experience is how we learn. And so we either learn through the experience of the worksheet grind and the, and the textbook, which we know brain research shows that is not the best way for us to learn. Uh, the best way for us to learn is through that experiential being there, getting the senses activated. And I know both of you uh, spend a lot of time doing that with your kids as, as best you can from the Oregon Trail in fifth grade and the, the frontier world that you do in the day of, of learning how to cut you know wood out in front of the, the cottage and churn butter and all of that good stuff to the stuff you guys do in Williamsburg, Virginia. That trip, which I know is a big eighth grade trip that mm -hmm. the eighth graders love, yeah. but it's not just a trip that we do with our eighth graders as a celebration, right? Right. Like you're doing this because of what we're learning in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And you, you had talked about this with uh, the staff of you had read some things in class that yeah. then when they went to Williamsburg and they're in that experience, all of a sudden stuff that they read in class is setting there and coming to life in Absolutely. those reenactments that they're seeing in Williamsburg. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, we, this year we were at Yorktown and they have a reenactment of a revolutionary camp in Yorktown. And uh, they went into a, a, an, an officer's tent and there's all kinds of props in there and the kids are allowed to go in and investigate and there was a copy of Thomas Paine's Common Sense, which is a series of you know, this is paraphernalia that go, went out that said, hey, it's just common sense that we do this thing. Um, but here we have an officer reading it in his in his tent. Yeah. And one of my kids went, oh, my gosh, we read that in the classroom. The soldiers read that. And, and it was this m almost visible light bulb moment where she was connecting this idea of the revolutionary period and this very real human that was living in a tent Mm. and putting his life on the line. And it was be partly because he was reading that piece of literature. Yeah. And that, that moment for me as a teacher is just like, <sighs> had to wipe the tear away because it's, <laughs> you know, it's beautiful to see kids engaging that way. It's, it's the, the, those historic documents are so dead to some mm. generations. Yeah. And, right now especially you know i always feel like this but every new generation i'm like it's so important that you understand that while these men were flawed 
that these documents tell this amazing story and yeah. we don't need to forget that as a nation. So anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what does that look like in fifth grade? Like I said, I know you've done some really good, uh, cool projects with that too. Both of you do really well with that. So what are some of those moments that you reflect on with kids that have that kind of that being there of like, oh, this is what this was really like? So for us, maybe maybe not so much in the history world, I think about it in math. Math is one of the hardest to have a being there, an aha moment, mm. um, without just kind of grinding through the worksheet. We are very fortunate in fifth grade, we study a, a standard that is using fractions as scaling, using one fourth to, to scale down a larger number. For us, that was worksheets, that was book work, check your answers at the back of the chapter. Yeah. For us, we're very fortunate. We bring in Jeff Williamson from Johnson Architecture, and he kind of helps connect the dots between math as a language, like we've learned with our staff, and then let's take a look at how math and art come together. Mm. And Jeff does a wonderful job showing my kids what blueprinting looks like. That's all scaling. It's all architectural and math drawings. But when he comes in as a guest speaker to kick off our unit and shows us this is Dollywood's new roller coaster. You guys are the first ones to get to see these blueprints outside of everyone who you know worked on them. Let me show you these. This is the fraction that I used to scale this oh, down wow. so that we could see it on this piece of paper. And some of the, the girls in my class who are wonderful artists, math hasn't quite connected there. When they start to see, I have to use this math to make my drawings and art and math go hand in hand when I build this oh, roller wow. coaster, the students just sit there and it, it takes a while to close the mouth. You know, they're just sitting there going, this is awesome. I want to do this. I want to do this. We head back to the classroom for fractions. There's not a pencil that's not moving. Mm. And I think that's the, the important piece here of when we're talking about experience, we're not just talking about going somewhere. We could be going somewhere like Williamsburg, mm -hmm. uh, or we could be doing some kind of immersion day like you do with, with the frontier uh, stuff that you do. But we're also bringing in guest speakers. We're also, you know, we're trying to activate whatever we can. So mm -hmm. sometimes you can't go somewhere else with your kids, right? Like sometimes you have to look at it differently. So looking at, can we bring in a guest speaker that can make this come alive, that can connect a dot to say, let's show how these two things actually interact in the real world. Mm -hmm. And that gives everybody in the room then that shared experience. So we go back to experience is, is that crucial piece of learning. Well, you might have had some kids in class that have done some real things with fractions, but you can't guarantee everybody in there is going to have that experience, right? And so providing some kind of thing at the beginning, that's that phase A, showing the, why the pattern matters, of being able to do that in the front to say, okay, now everybody in here at least has one experience that we can refer back to, right? right. Yes. There's still going to be other people in the room that are going to have an experience that they can refer back to that maybe other people wouldn't, but at least everybody has one. Mm -hmm. um, and that's huge with, you know, even the Williamsburg trip. There may have been people that have gone on a trip like that, or there may have been people that have, you know, been able to go to a reenactment right. or whatever and seen some of that and have that experience, but you can't guarantee all of your kids have had that experience. And there's something about the power of a shared experience. That's why, you know, learning in groups, small groups, collaborative learning, all of those things, those patterns can be sig more significant to one person than to another. And whenever students have those conversations with each other, that brings in another level of engagement. Yeah. So your friend gets it and you don't and your friend is excited about it. And, and that conversation that comes from that 
is often very powerful, more powerful than saying, well, we've got to learn it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so collaborative learning is more than just, okay, this is progress. This is project work. We have this strong student and then this other student that doesn't do as much work. And so it's more than that. It is not yeah. about getting, it's, it's about that collaboration. It's about the discussion that comes out of it. And whenever you are trying to get the kids to see a pattern, they are never going to get to the program. They're never going to get to the thing where why it matters in the big scheme of things if we can't make it matter to them. Yeah. Again, it doesn't have to ju- it doesn't have to be like their own personal passion project, but they have to be able to see the pattern to make it matter. And I don't think that that clicks as easily as I want it to click in people's heads because whenever we say pattern we kind of like, oh, we know what that word means. But really, I encourage people to, to sit and think about what that means. Pattern in a brain is looking for the connections between the things. And until a person sees that, the next step of learning isn't there. Yeah. It just isn't. This is Then the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and the use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you'd like to find out more about the school, you can find us on our webpage, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org, or you can find us on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope you have a wonderful day.